right. It's time for Chic Shit Only. Hi, everybody. It's me, Lauren Zima, with the Chesley Christ of Extra TV. Oh, Chesley, I'm so glad we're finally doing this because you are the correspondent in New York and I get to see you just once every so often. Although now I love it because we've decided to record and you are here in LA. We literally could have recorded this face-to-face, Lauren. It would have been even better. Well, if only we could have recorded it from the Dancing with the Stars press tour that we're going on tonight, the finale press line, where just to reveal for everyone, as correspondents, I know our lives sometimes seem glamorous, but we do watch the show from a parking lot. Um, (laughs) We sit in a parking lot, they set up a monitor, we watch it, we snuggle under our coats, and then we go inside to do the interviews. So I can't wait to see you in the parking lot later. Yeah, me too, me too. Well, I'm glad that you gave you the heads up about like it being out and everything i'm gonna get a coat and a blanket like i'm gonna be full ski mask like Snuggled outfit up. for this thing yeah so chesley i'm so glad we're doing this um we love to see each other in new york we light up when we get to talk about harry potter yeah. i think the first time and we're gonna get into it the first time we spoke about it was because i saw you holding what i thought was this very glam chic designer bag and then i came over and realized <laughs> it was even more than i thought it was from the literally, Harry Potter store in New York. <laughs> literally a Harry Potter bag. Yes. Which yeah, is my on a red carpet. Bag. Yeah, on a red carpet. It was on the Madonna, like the Madam X carpet. Like we were literally yes. like Madonna was like 30 minutes from seeing us. And I was like, yeah, here's my Harry Potter bag. But I loved it. It was a great moment. Especially because you just never know who really likes the things that you like too. So I was glad that that you also liked Harry Potter and that you were in the same house. Oh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I feel like yeah. there's probably a lot of Ravenclaws in the media industry like thinkers, yeah. you know, yeah. um, like I wish people like logged this the same way that they logged their horoscopes. Like I wish we knew like people's houses as much as we knew they're like astrological signs. I always, I'm glad you said that. I always consider it a sign. Cause I also think of your house rising. Like I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm, I'm kind of like Hufflepuff rising, <laughs> sometimes Gryffindor. Do you think like, what's your rising? Yeah, I would be, I would be also like a Gryffindor rising. Yeah. Although I don't know, like sometimes I'm feeling a little Slytherin. So you that might are be wearing green. Right. I am. I can't. And this wasn't an intentional choice either. Like when I woke up this morning, I wasn't thinking like where my house colors. It just, I was just drawn to the green. So you never know. (laughs) So what I love about seeing you and doing this podcast is also like, I've heard tell, I've heard stories about how competitive the different entertainment news shows used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But like to give people a little inside scoop, when we all see each other on the red carpet nowadays, anyway, I can only attest to my experience. I've been at ET for about six years. Like, I'm always so happy to see the other correspondents. You get to catch up. You always, usually, honestly, have a lot of downtime on red carpets. So we chit chat. Mm-hmm. Like, Zuri Hall and I have been covering the Britney Spears hearings together. So we've had hours outside LA, court, LA courthouses catching mm-hmm. up. I love Zuri. So it's just so great to talk to somebody else and kind of hear their perspective on working in entertainment news. And I was really wanting to ask you first and foremost, because this podcast is like also very much about how people get to where they are and the cool stuff they're doing. So Mm -hmm. you have a law degree. Yeah. Competed in Miss USA, won Miss USA. (laughs) At what point did you know you wanted to get into entertainment journalism though? Because you did the beauty pageant thing, you did the law school thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Honestly, it was never a career that I thought about until I won Miss USA. And we, I was offered an opportunity to be a special correspondent for extra. So for like non-media people, like a special correspondent, you're basically like just showing up for the day. Like, you don't actually like work for them. You just yeah, like, like a one day thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so I did that 
few times. My first three interviews were Millie Bobby Brown, Zendaya, and Lizzo. And I remember thinking like, don't you want to start me off with somebody less famous? But they went well and it was so exciting. And I think that a lot of the skills that I gained both in the legal industry and in pageantry were easily transferable. Like in the, in the legal profession, when I'm doing a deposition, when I'm interviewing somebody, a witness on record, like you have to listen intently to what they're saying. You have to be able to respond to what they're saying so that you can get to the answers that you really need for your client, for the success of your case. And you do that a ton here. Like when you're engaged in an interview, like when, you know, we're interviewing Lady Gaga on the carpet, you want to listen to what she's saying so that you can make a better moment out of it. And you can get some information uh, from her that her fans want to know, or that'll be great for your piece. And so I think that, you know, I could list tons and tons of examples and analogies that are the same way, but I think they're easily transferable. And so I found a career that I would be good at. And that I genuinely liked because I was drawn to the law because I was just a nosy person. And I liked interviewing, <laughs> interviewing witnesses and finding out like, you what know, kind what of law did that. you practice? I did uh, civil litigation, complex civil litigation. And so like there were times I was doing like, you know, some like mundane insurance defense work, but they were always like wild stories, like a cat bite that ended up being like a $30,000 issue. And so I'm like, <laughs> I remember, I remember interviewing this woman for this cat bite case. And one of the issues, one of the issues Lauren was, um, which cat did it? Like we needed to identify the cat. And so I asked this woman, I'm like, how do you know that it was this particular cat? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I'm like, lady, how do you know this? And she's like, like, what did the cat look like? She's like, it's a black cat, had a black head. I'm like, what else? She's like, it has a really distinct growl. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so of course this woman starts growling in the deposition. <laughs> and all I can think is like, what is the court reporter writing down? And she just like, Meow! all the time. So <laughs> it was really entertaining at, at times. Well, there is a woman on TikTok who reads, I hope they're true. She reads court like really funny court reporting. Do you know who I'm yeah. talking about? It's so I know funny. I exactly what you're talking about. They're hysterical. Are and those real? really happens. Yes. That's <laughs> really, ha- there, I have so many stories of like, you know, hearings that I attended where something wild happened or like somebody said a word and the judge reacted wildly. I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this right now. Or even like mock trials. I mean, it is, it is entertaining for sure. I, I mean that if we could like, cause look, I mean, I, all my love to all of the on-air court shows, but they don't always feel like the most real to me. You know? <laughs> you mean yeah. like, like, I mean, I don't want to name some off. Right. I mean, like the, the normal, like bring in the clients and they're yelling at each other. Yeah. It feels a little yeah. staged to me. Um, yeah. And sometimes it is, but other times like that stuff really can't happen. But then I would love, like, I would love if we just had a camera set up and just like regular courtrooms all over the country. And then we just like pick the best parts. Like, I don't need to see the yes. whole case, but I do want to see the woman growling like a cat. <laughs> I don't she even really know if I described a cat sound as a growl. I love that she went, she's like, no, no, that cat was growling at me. Yeah. It got really guttural. And I was just, I was just surprised that she actually started me out because I was thinking she was going to describe it like it was really low or it was <sighs> shaky, but no, no. I mean, she went right after it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild. Well, you're right. And it's, it's funny because I almost, my parents wanted me to, my parents are both lawyers and they wanted me to go to law school. Your and parents are lawyers and they wanted you to go to law school. They were like, you, well, they're like, you'd be great at it. Like this is, they didn't think that I could be success. They thought that journalism was like too hard of a business to break into. I think they just wanted me to be successful. So they were pushing like a very, you know, solid career law school. Um, media was just wildly like artistic to them, I guess. Um, not that they're wrong, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I, I do, I'm just saying that to say, I totally see what you're saying about the similarities in the professions. Like, yeah. well, and what do your parents think of it, of it now, now that you're like wildly successful in this my, really competitive industry? I mean, like let having a brief therapy moment here, it was only a few years ago that my mom said, 
you know, I really was wrong. You really have made it. I did not think you could do it. <laughs> you need to send your mom replicas of your end. Thank you. In your background right now. Donna is <laughs> like, mom, I don't savage. know if you know many lawyers that also have Emmys, but I just want you to know I didn't have to go to the legal profession to get these incredible awards. I appreciate yeah. how yeah. hard my mom was on me, but you know, there's some trauma there too. <laughs> you know, you know, hey, I'm, I'd be happy to hear it. Fill it anytime you want to, Lauren. We'll have a session together. What did um what did your parents think of you doing pageants? Like that, that I think I read that came about from your mom. Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I didn't have to deal with like at home, like my mom being like, This isn't serious because mm-hmm. like why would you do pageants? She was like, Yeah, I did pageants. Why don't you? Um, so she when she when I was like eleven or twelve years old, she became the second black woman to hold the title of Mrs. North Carolina US. So she did this pageant for married women and there wasn't a lot of diversity. It still isn't like a ton of diversity in pageantry, but that's changing. And it has changed a lot over the last couple of years even. And so I like absolutely wanted to compete. But I remember when I was deciding whether or not to compete when I was in law school. And I remember my mom asking like, why are you doing this? Like, are you doing this because like, you just want to feel pretty or like, do you want a crown? Cause I can buy you a crown. You don't have to compete in pageants to get a crown. And I think that's when I started thinking more serious about like, why am I doing this? Am I really just doing it? Because it's fun, because it really is a time suck and it's very expensive. Like, is there some higher purpose for this? And for me, there eventually was because they, like in the Miss America organization, you get a ton of scholarship money. But in Miss USA, when you win, you get incredible amount of opportunities. It's literally the only reason I got this opportunity because I won Miss USA and a producer from Extra spotted me and was like, let's give this girl a chance. So I, I owe where I am right now to pageants. So I love that, of course, eventually you realize like what the purpose of it would be. But when your mom asked you that question, what was your answer at that point? Like what was keeping you pushing? I didn't have one. You didn't have one. I didn't have, I was too embarrassed. <laughs> I just, it's one of the, it was one of those moments where you just like sort of let the silence sit and you just wait until the other person's like starts talking. And it's literally what I did. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to let you finish preaching mom. And I'll think about this a little harder because for me right then and there, like when I, my first pageant that I did, I was a, a freshman in high school. I was, it was like Miss Freshman at my high school. And so I competed in one. Wow. And I when I did high school it, had that, is that like a different, is that a world I don't know in the, cause you're from the South, right? You guys, yeah, you guys did. But I, did, I thought you went to Missouri. Didn't you go to Missouri? I went to college in Missouri, but I'm from Chicago. So no, it, pageants was like not a thing where I was from. You're like, you and Miss Freshman year of high school and freshman year yeah. of high school. I was like, what's mascara? Like <laughs> someone teach me. I was literally the same boat. I think pageants is what like introduced me to like this whole new world of like, you know, figuring out how to do your makeup and walk and stuff. Yeah. And so when I competed in pageants, I did it because I was at a new high school and I didn't know anybody and I just wanted to be one of the cool kids. So I was like, I'll do the pageant. I'll have a crown and everything. And so I did it and I won. And ever since then, like when I was in high school, I was like, I'll just continue to do this, but I can be one of the cool kids. And so that, I mean, if I was going to give my mom an answer, that would have been the answer. I just didn't say it. Cause like, who wants to say that? Like, Hey mom, I just, <laughs> I just want to do this to feel cool and you know uh, found purpose later. But like, I think what you're speaking to is something I, I actually always advise people on, which is, I, I always say, 
nothing's going to happen in your life if you're sitting on the couch at home. And by that, I mean, like sometimes even if you don't know what you want to do yet, go try things, go do things, because that's how you discover who you are is by trying things, failing at things, experiencing things like how did I learn how bad I am and how much I don't like sports (laughs) by being on the C volleyball team and losing a tournament for my whole middle school. Like, you you know, you try and I was doing that to fit in. Like I was doing volleyball because my friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the only reason I did a sorority when I went to Mizzou was because I was going to the state school from out of state and I didn't know anyone. I'm like, well, I just want to like join something to fit in. And then it gave me some of my best friends for life. So I I just totally, I don't know if that's what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like what you're saying with the pageant thing is look, you were like working at it and doing it. And maybe you didn't know where it was going, but it's better to be doing something. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, and I got to know, was that a culture shock for you coming down to the South and joining a sorority? Yes. Um, (laughs) yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I remember showing up at Mizzou and I was like, I mean, first of all, all these kids, like they were from these really, it it was, there was not a lot of diversity of color. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, there's not. No, I came from Chicago and I remember like my first day on campus being like, this doesn't look like the pamphlet, like in the pamphlet, it's all these <laughs> pictures, you know, it's true for any Southern school. Like I can't tell yeah. you how many pamphlets I've been on for law firms, for legal industry related, like organizations for law school for, I mean, like you're just always the token black person that they never see again. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I think my high school is maybe 10% white. So it was very different for me, but what I did find this beautiful thing of like, like I'd never known people from small towns before and they were some of the nicest people and some of the most loving, like genuine people. All my love to Missouri. I had an amazing time there and I'm so glad to have gone there, but yes. Yeah. There was some they're great. <laughs> exactly. And they're, and they're all great places. Like, you know, even, even the ones that have like, you know, the diversity representatives and models all the time, like they are great people and they, and they really do try. I mean, I've been in like, because I grew up in the South, I've been in so many spaces where like, like when I graduated from high school, like I think there were 12 black people in my graduating class out of like, wow. I don't know, 400 or something. And I went to the University of South Carolina uh, for undergrad and really, really loved it there. But like, and same thing for Wake Forest, not super diverse, but they're trying and they're working. And it's not to say that they're a bad place because they don't have a lot of diversity, especially when we're all working together towards the same aim and just fall short for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Did you looking, I mean, look, I know the world of pageants is something that has come under some criticism looking back. Is mm-hmm. there anything you would tell yourself about like how to handle it all differently? Or, I mean, you won, you did incredible and it's led you here, but looking back, yeah. anything you would have done differently or changed? Um, uh, <clears throat> I probably would have made some different outfit changes. <laughs> Sometimes I look back and I'm like, why did you wear that dress? Lord Jesus, girl. Um, but no, besides, I think I had the benefit of winning when I was much older. Like I was the oldest Miss USA ever at 20, at 28 years old. And so by then I literally, when I was in law school, I took a feminism or a gender in the law class. And so we learned about feminism. And I remember asking my professor, he was like, you guys are going to write a paper at the end of the year. Like, what do you want to gain from this class? And I was like, sir, I compete in pageants and I want to know, like, is this something, is there something about feminism I need to know that would throw me away from pageants? Like, is there some reason, like, I I got the criticism that people have, especially, you know, it's not new. Mm -hmm. People have been like protesting against like Miss America or Miss USA or other pageants for years and talking about how it's objectifying to women. 
And so I was like, I need to know. I need to know what the other side of the argument is because I disagree, but I need to know. And so I, I think I benefited from that. And like when I was walking into pageantry, I, I fully understood what people were saying and why people thought like, this is terrible for women. This absolutely doesn't advance women. But I also truly believe that the people who think that don't know very much about pageantry as it is today, because mm-hmm. the women that I compete with are incredibly accomplished and they have, they're incredibly diverse. They have incredible goals and ambitions. They're the same women that I go to law school with, literally. Like they're in my class at Miss USA, I was the only practicing attorney, but one girl who was in the top five was a first year law student and another woman who was in the top 15 had just graduated from law school and was about to take the bar. And then my first runner up who had her master's in accountancy at that point when she was competing is now in law school. So it's like, these are the people that you should be a pageant for lawyers. (laughs) Exactly. There should be, there should, why do law schools not have pageants? (laughs) Why are we not doing this? Okay. So so my, my brother just passed the bar here in California and I watched him. Thank you. Very proud, truly, because I watched him. He he lives near me and to see how difficult law school is. How did you, if if you can give us a secret or a tip that you learn on how to like manage time or survive, how did you do pageants and law school and be a practicing attorney at the same time? Uh, It was not easy. I think because I competed in Miss USA, it was probably easier than some pageants that require like, like Miss America requires talent. So I I never had to do a talent rehearsal when I was competing. What would your talent have been? I did compete in the Miss America organization for a little bit. I um, played piano and uh, yeah. So I know what it took to like practice so much for my talent and, you know, perform on stage and how nerve wracking it was. And I was like, I hate this. I know that I've done this and I've tried it and I never want to do it again. Um, so, so I think that made it easier, but I think for me, it was, uh, people, people talk about like time management a lot and it's not necessarily about priorities. It's about balance. Mm. So you have to know, um, that, you know, you don't have to split your time equally among you know, everything that you have in your life. What you need to do is know, like, if I drop this ball right now, it's going to, it's not going to break because this one is a bouncy ball, but this glass ball, mm. I actually need to take care of. Like, so that means like, there is a test coming up that you absolutely need to study for. Like maybe you're not going to be able to go to that appearance and just know it's okay. Maybe you can reschedule that. So for me, it was just about balance and making sure that, you know, everything was in like harmony um, Mm. and not necessarily that I was like constantly prioritizing law school over um, pageants or, or, you know, vice versa that I wasn't constantly um, prioritizing my appearances over work. Or even not really, maybe not even ever giving them equal time. It's like what needs more time right now? Exactly. What needs more time right now? It's like, it's about that just harmony, making sure everything works together and not necessarily that everything works the same all the time. Well, that's very impressive. I mean, it's oh, very kind of you. I'm, I'm very impressed that your brother passed California bar, tough bar. I'm proud. He's very, he's smarter than me. Like truly. I, well, the pass rate here is so low. It is. I know. I was really proud of him. I was, it was, um, it was a great moment. We like, we had decided to, we were going to hang with him that night, no matter like whether he won or won, whether, whether he won the bar patch. You do win the bar. They give you a crown when you win. <laughs> you deserve one. Yeah. We'd like set aside the night, whether he passed or not, we were going to hang with him. And I was just so, I, I felt like a, I felt a little maternal, you know, I'm like, I'm like sick to my stomach. Like if he's not, if he doesn't pass. Like I, you know, cause then I was just thinking, how am I going to console him? How am I going to make you feel better? How can you in that moment? Like, what was that like for you? Oh man, it was rough. 
Because I took, <laughs> I did South Carolina and I did North Carolina and both times. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't get yeah. any easier either time. Uh, I think for me, so it was so embarrassing. I've actually never spoken about this publicly, but I will eventually. <laughs> I will now, now that I'm talking <laughs> to you. Um, there's, so lawyers know this, that you have to pass the bar in order to practice law, but you also have to pass a professionalism test. It's like the MPRE, the multi-state professional responsibility exam. And it's supposed to be easier. It's like the easy exam, like every state except for like one requires it. And I remember like all my friends were like, yeah, I studied for a night and I passed it. I studied for a night. And I did not pass that. It was terrible. And it's, it happens way before the bar. Like I took it like my final year of law school. And so I remember going into the bar. I was like, you didn't pass the easy test. <laughs> and now you got the hard one. Like this is good. This is not going to be good. But it was good for me because it motivated me to like literally give up my entire summer to um, you know, work at this. And so, uh, I remember getting the letter because in, in North Carolina at the time, they don't tell you online, which is so stupid to me. Like literally just shoot me an email, bro. Please don't make me open a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I was like out shopping for furniture for my new apartment that I was really hoping that I could afford because I would hopefully be able to work my job as an attorney because hopefully I passed the bar. <laughs> so I drove home. My mom was like, do you have a letter here for the North Carolina board of law? Examiners? <laughs> so I was like, don't open it leave the house immediately. <laughs> so I drove 30 minutes from this furniture store to my mom's house, like shaky, literally sick, um, because I was worried about what happened. And uh, I opened it and I passed the bar and I was like, thank God. And uh, a week after that, I had passed the easy test too. So it was just a matter of like, you know, sometimes I needed a kick in the butt uh, to remember to actually study hard. But I passed North Carolina, passed South Carolina. So I was happy. Uh, well, but like blessings that you didn't pass that easier test. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, because I probably would have like bullshitted a little bit when it came to the other one. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. <laughs> the older I get, the more, and it's like, a, it's a hard thing to sort of do in real practice, but failure is so important. Like, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you're driven, like someone like you is, or when you're, you know, you want to accomplish things, you're really not that used to failure because you do like usually put the work in and and do great. And so then the idea of failure gets even scarier. And it's this catch 22 though, where it's like, no, but we need to fail. We need to, to mess up sometimes to get that drive and to recognize how much harder we need to push ourselves. Mm-hmm. Girl, I could not agree more. And it, even in interviews nowadays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there's sometimes where I'm like, where I ask a question or, uh, you know, something happens in an interview and somebody corrects me or somebody gives me like a, a response that I'm surprised by. Like, I think it makes you a sharper journalist, a sharper reporter, and just a sharper, you know, person in general, when you're like shocked in those moments and you have to immediately figure out how to respond. Like, that's a good test to have. Have you ever, after an interview, been so upset with yourself, like felt like you failed. And then you just drive home in the car and you just think about it. And it like sits with you the next day and you're just like, you can't go back. Like the yeah. <laughs> moments for have sure. crushed me. For sure. For sure. And I'm so glad that you said that because now I know that I'm not alone in doing that. Cause sometimes I'm just like, I'm an idiot. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> do you remember what yours was? Oh, I remembered a few. There are a few. Uh, yeah. I, I remember there was, there was one time uh, there, there was a person that I was interviewing who I had like had a connection with. I didn't really like, I'd never met her. Um, but I, we sort of had like a, a, a person in common, I guess you could say. And um, it wasn't necessarily a mistake. It was just like, I was asking about somebody that she was dating and I didn't know that they didn't really want to talk about it. So I asked like a couple of questions uh, back to back and uh, her PR person like immediately interrupted me. He was like, can we get to the interview, please? And I was just so shocked by it. I was like, 
my God, have I offended her now? Is she going to hate me? I loved this person. I so looked up to her. So after the interview, literally called my mom and bawled on the phone crying, which seems so stupid. But like in the moment, like, you know, like you you don't want to offend somebody or hurt their feelings or whatever. And I just remember thinking like this. No. And I think what's hard is we have these interactions with people where it's like, three minutes, but we've worked, we've mentally prepared for that three minutes, the whole day we've researched for it. We're ready for it. We're trying to be Mm -hmm. in our best headspace for it. And then it's such a short amount of time. And you know, so much can go not wrong, but like, if it doesn't go a certain way, then you feel like it's this big failure, but it's, it's hard to describe. There's, I think there's few other experiences like it where so much rides on these couple of minutes and it Mm -hmm. crush you. And, you know, you're like sometimes so thrown because you, you can't even like a person seems like they're fine. And then they weren't. And it's a very weird thing that we do at the end of the day, we have casual, intimate, thought provoking, deep, intrusive conversations with people in two to three minutes, either on a red carpet or any hotel room where 20 people are sitting in silence around you, filming you. Like, it's really, really like how intimidating is that to join a zoom? And like, all you can see is you and the other person, but there's 20 participants on there. Like that is stressful. It's weird. (laughs) Yes. What we do is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Has it happened to you too? Well, you said that. Oh yeah. I mean, there have been a couple of times, like moments like that. And then sometimes where, you know, you, you forget one question and it doesn't really matter because the next day the news is different and it's fine, but it will eat at you because you feel like you failed. Like I remember, um, at the movie premiere of, isn't it romantic? Or it was called something like that with rebel Wilson, Liam Hemsworth was sick. And so Miley Cyrus, they were together at the time and she like surprise showed up to support the movie because he couldn't be there and he was the star of the movie. It was like awesome that she did, but nobody expected her to show up. And I like got this really cute interview with her, but I didn't just ask how's newlywed life because like they'd just gotten married Mm -hmm. and that, that ate away at me for (gasps) for a while. I love that. You can tell how high achieving you are, that this is the thing that you for a while. But like, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. Especially when like, especially if somebody is told you that that's an important get, and then you like, don't get, yeah, I've been there. You, you, I'm an idiot. And a million things can happen, but it still bothers you. But that's, you know, that's why we're doing it. That's why we're striving to be amazing and perfect. And, you know, failure is so important. We have to fail. I just have to fail. I mean, that's what, I mean, Anna Wintour said it like Anna Wintour was fired from like a junior exec publishing job before she became mm-hmm. the editor-in-chief of Vogue. And I think she said that in an interview, she was like, everybody should be fired from a job once because she said that that really gave her a reset. I think Steve Jobs said the same thing. Like after he was booted from his own company, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the company that he built, he was like, yeah, I think it made me a beginner again. And it gave me this fresh new perspective of I can be imperfect again. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, and I love talking to you about this too, because as you just said a few minutes ago, that you were the oldest at 28. Um, but to win, but like for women, I think we all, a lot of the time we feel like there's this expiration date mm-hmm. on us, on our success. Women aren't as attractive as they get older. Like that, you know, they've got to, we, we've got to go and set the career aside and go have babies because our biological clock is ticking and all that. And I keep trying to remind myself lately, like, no, that's, you know, you still have, like, I think about, Leslie Jones being on SNL at 40 or whatever it was. And like, no, there's still a lot of time to accomplish a lot of the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oldest of 28. I mean, 28, and what yeah. was it like to like have all those headlines afterwards? Probably it's like, cause you know, those were the headlines about you, like the oldest winner at 28. Like <laughs> yes, literally it was just so funny. Cause, cause you feel so young then. Like I was like, but I was like, I, 
there's so many things I haven't done yet. Like I've only had my, like an apartment by myself twice, but this point in time, like, <laughs> yo, it's not that old. Uh, but my favorite was like, I, I remember right after, like the day after I went, I tell you, these online people are quick. Somebody, somebody had already put up a Wikipedia page for me and put like in the headline, I think that I was the oldest Miss USA it's like ever. First sentence. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And they put, they put the number of days too. They were like 28 years and six days or four days old or something like that. How, how do you know this? How do you know this about me? Like, how did and you- then they would. How did you move past that? Were you able to laugh it off? Like what, how did, what, what did you do? Because you'd worked so hard for this thing. And I would imagine a big part of the narrative became the oldest. Like, did, were you able to see it as a sense of pride? Was it annoying? For, for me, I, I, I didn't care that much because, um, I knew going in that I was one of the oldest women at the competition and out of the top five, most of the women were older. Like I were like 25, 26, 27. So I was like, I'm, I'm kind of part of a, a really great group here. And, uh, so, so it didn't, it didn't matter to me as much. I think what ended up taking over the narrative and I was glad that it did take over the narrative was, um, that when I won my good friend, Nia Franklin, who was a black woman, was Miss America and my team Miss teen USA at the time, Kaylee Garris was also a woman of color. And the three of us became like, you know, the first time that the first time ever that the women holding these titles were women of color simultaneously. Wow. And so that was like all the, the, those were all the interviews that we did was like, Miss America's black, Miss USA is black. Look at Miss Teen USA. She's a woman of color with curly hair. And that's all that we talked about. So the, the oldest thing kind of got swept under the rug for, for this other thing that was really cool. Which is, yes, much better. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was like a black girl magic thing instead of like an old lady thing. Yes. Can we, I'm glad we set a different kind of record real quick because then that became the news. Great. That's our news cycle, but it worked out that day. Okay, great. (laughs) It did. (laughs) Um, so I have to let you go soon, but we just got to talk about Harry Potter real quick. So what made you fall in love with Harry Potter? Because you are a fan at that level of going to the store, wearing the gear. What do you love about Harry Potter? For sure. Uh, I think it's just nostalgia. I grew up with it. Like when I was in like second and third grade, I would get in trouble, not because I was like talking to other kids in my class, but because I would be in math class and I would pull out Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and be flipping through my book, like reading in class. And so I was just, I was just a nerd and I loved it, loved all the books. And I remember freaking out when the movies came out and it was just like this little escape was like being able to read into this world. And especially in the time when like, I felt so nerdy and I didn't, I feel like I didn't have a whole lot of friends. And so for me, it was just like, now we get to look at Harry Potter and like, Hermione, she's just like me, (laughs) right, right. Hermione, she's so smart. I can be just like her. Uh, so I think, I think that's why it just stuck with me. And the movies got better and better. They sort of followed all of us because we're like the same age. So you know how it was where it, like it started off and they, like everybody was like the kid level. Mm-hmm. And, but it seemed really appropriate because we were kids. And then like as we grow up now, it's like really dark. Even the theme song itself changes yes. to something more grand and just let it. What about you? I mean, same. I, I like, I think we were at that age. I went to the book part release parties at Barnes and Noble at midnight. Like, <laughs> It was my parents made us share one copy because they were not buying three copies of this expensive book. So we had to share. And my sister was a faster reader than me. So she'd get really annoyed at me. But yeah, I mean, it was like magical and escapism. And, you know, the books are about good and evil and being a good friend. Like, I think the messages of it are are so good, you know. And timeless, which is funny because at the time it was very much like, this is about witchery. And I remember some people thought the books were controversial when they first came out. But now, I mean, we're getting the 20 year anniversary special, which I'm so excited about. Yes! Ugh, I can't wait. It's going to come out over the holidays. Yes. 
Do you think the Harry Potter movies are holiday movies? Yes, yes. I absolutely think so. Like they, I think all of them have this little holiday theme, especially when like it starts yes. to snow and they wear their little sweaters and they're like warmer robes and everything. And That's they have awesome. the Harry Potter like binges that they'll play on like, you know, some of the channels on TV and everything. Oh, for sure. I love. What's your favorite Harry Potter book? Like which one is your favorite? Or movie? Fire, which is making me wonder if yours is because you said you pulled it Same. out. Oh my God, stop, stop. What, Lauren, why are we the same person? I am so unoriginal. <laughs> so glad. I wish you were in LA or I was in New York all the time. I'm like, every time we see each other, we're like, yes, same, yes, same. <laughs> literally, literally same house, same favorite book. It's the best one though. It's like the Triwizard Tournament. There's nothing better than that. Yes, because you get to see the people from the other houses. Oh my God, and their intros. Like I mean, when, the other when there's like, yeah, yes. yeah, the guys are like flipping and, yes. and then the girls are coming and they're the so cute and everything. Yeah, it, it is the best one. Absolutely. So did you do what I did, which was the pandemic re-listen or reread of the books or rewatch of the movies? <sighs> yeah, starting of my life. I rewatched, I started from the first one, even though it felt a little cringy because, yeah. you know, when you're a kid and you watch them, it's like, wow, it's very bad. But when you're an adult, it's like, wow, I mean, these kids, these child actors, they were working, they were, they were new to acting. Yes. They were new to acting. And I'm so glad that we got to watch them develop and that we mm. stuck with them because we did get to see like the incredible improvement of like the script of the characters, of even the change of the Dumbledores, which was, I remember like after the first Dumbledore passed away, I remember being devastated, devastated. And we got a second one who was incredible, but in, in a different way. But yeah, yeah, I, I rewatched all of them from one to seven, both of the sevens and really loved it. it so you have you had that pop culture entertainment news drive in you even then because you were like, ooh, new Dumbledore. Like you were aware of that. Okay, I see it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Because, you know, you get attached to the characters. Like if they had totally. switched, could you imagine if they switched out like Harry at some point in time? I would have had a connection. It is so incredible to me actually when you look at it that it worked out as it did because there's no other franchise that's had that many movies with like the kids totally grow up with it like that it all worked out that there weren't any major issues that they all developed into the roles so I couldn't be more excited for this 20 year special that we're getting over the holidays like they're yeah. just giving it to us we wanted it we needed it we thank you yes exactly yes. All right, Chesley, my fellow Ravenclaw, thank you so much. Um, I'm so glad me. I got to learn more about your story. And yeah. I will see you at Dancing with the Stars finale tonight. Although this yeah. podcast doesn't come out till Thursday, but I'll see you then. <laughs> I will see you then bundled up and warm, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Should have brought our Harry Potter scarves. Okay, bye. Bye.